Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally aired on the premier radio networks, including 130 of the best stations in the U.S. and Canada, and XM Channel 158, <laughs> on March 6th, 2011. This is episode 750. Enjoy. Board here, the tech guy, and it's time to talk about computers and the internet and cell phones and camcorders and MP3 players and home theater and <sighs> iPad 2. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number if you have a comment on the iPad 2 or anything else going on in the tech world today. I guess iPad 2 is a big story. That's why I've said it three times in the first 30 seconds of the show. iPad 2, make that four times. Yeah, they uh, they announced a new iPad. I liked, uh, I loved actually Conan O'Brien's take on it. He says Apple's getting a little bit cocky, don't you think? <laughs> we did as little as possible, just enough to make you want the new iPad, <laughs> but no more than necessary. No high res screen, no USB port, uh, no, you know, none of the things that people, you know, the people were thinking they might add the Thunderbolt. But if you remember last week. I, I talked about what I thought would be in the iPad 2, and I think I nailed it. I'll have to go back and listen to the tape, in the words of Richard Nixon. But I think I nailed it. I think I, I, think I said, don't expect an update in resolution. Expect slightly thinner. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't expect the white version. Okay, they got me on that one. And I'm very pleased to see that Apple has added the ability to take HDMI video. That's that high-quality 1080p high-res video. Of course, the iPad isn't high-res, but anyway, no, we won't. Take that 1080p high-res video right out of the iPad, mirroring the screen, which means anything you're doing on the iPad, you can now see on your big-screen TV. I think that's kind of intriguing. You add to that AirShare, iPad suddenly becomes kind of a home theater system, doesn't it? Not a surprise that that connector, that HDMI connector, includes charging. That sounds to me like Apple expects you to put that high iPad 2 right next to your big-screen TV. Maybe make it a controller, a, a great remote control. Although nobody wants a wired remote control, do they? No one wants that. Most important, I think, uh, are two features. One, uh, actually three features. <laughs> one is the it's got a camera, front and back. We don't know how high quality the camera is. We do not know. The Apple is not told. No one seems to know. We won't know till Friday when it is available. And double the processor speed, eight or nine times the graphics speed, almost double the processor, and nine times the graphics speed. Uh, significant improvements there. That should make a big difference. Speed, you know, we don't talk about speed. It's funny, Apple, Steve Jobs even said this about 18 times. We're in the post-PC era. Steve really thinks that people are going to stop using computers for the most part and start using iPads. Feature like you too, if you don't mind. It's funny because Apple last week released brand new, very fast, fastest ever, Macintosh laptops. Doesn't matter. It's the post-PC era, isn't it? Post-PC era. Uh, and in the post-PC era, you don't talk about how much RAM. 
We have no idea. They haven't mentioned it. You don't talk about how many pixels on the camera. But if you've got something good to say, you talk about that, and that's the uh, the dual processor, dual 1.03 gigahertz A5 processor, the nine times. Gra- See, those sound like PC specs to me. As usual, Apple uh, is fairly self-serving in the stuff it talks about and the stuff it don't, doesn't talk about. In fact, you know, there were some interesting misrepresentations in Apple and Steve Jobs' keynote. First of all, let me say it was great to see Steve Jobs back up on the stage. That's nice. Um, I think that uh, that that means he he had uh, he had uh, his health was good enough to get up there. He had some real interest in the success of the iPad, so we'll say that. But boy, he's really got that reality distortion field cranked up so much so that even I, who was doing live coverage of his talk, didn't catch a number of the direct lies that he told. He said, uh, we're the first dual processor device to ship in quantity. Huh? Huh? Unless you exclude, unless you exclude the Mot- Motorola Atrix phone and the Motorola Zoom tablet and a bunch of other things. That, but but, but uh, other than that, huh? uh, he misquoted, pretty intentionally misquoted, the CEO of Samsung. He 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 misrepresented Apple's market share, saying the iPad has ninety percent market share. No, it doesn't. Even if you just look at the Samsung Galaxy Tab, it doesn't have nineteen percent or ninety percent. He's really he's really uh, become quite adept at just just spinning out the facts. With with really, <laughs> I understand, understand, and I guess this is maybe I, my message to everyone is understand. This is a marketing speech. This is not factual speech. This is a marketing speech, but never even for a marketing speech, the bald-faced misstatements were kind of stunning. None of which diminishes the fact that I, yes, I will buy an iPad 2. It looks pretty cool. And even if there's an iPad 3 with a higher res screen coming out later this year, which some say is the case, I think it's a worthwhile purchase. So I'm I'm not going to knock it. But really, Steve, do you need to... (laughs) Didn't need to make stuff up. Yeah. Now the misquote of the Samsung CEO was a uh, was widely mis he was mo- widely misquoted. Um, the vice president of uh, sales of, uh, of Samsung talking about the uh, Galaxy Tab was widely misquoted, but then it was fixed. The translation was fixed. This is I'm I'm going to read to you from uh, Philip Elmer Dewitt writing in Fortune magazine uh, talking about this. He, uh, he, uh, let me see if I can find the, uh, the quote. Wall Street Journal, relying on a third-party transcript of Lee Young-hee, Samsung vice president. This is uh, during an earnings call with analysts a couple of weeks ago. They ran a quote that Steve Jobs just re-ran, even though later they corrected it, and Gadget ran it but corrected it. So let's just read what the uh, what the answer was. They were asking about selling and sellout. You know, this is some, something that uh, kind of bugs a lot of people. Apple and others use the job use uh, numbers about how many 
are sold to the retailers, not how many are sold from the retailers to end users. Lee said, as you heard, our sell-in, that's selling to the retailers, was quite aggressive, and this first quarterly result was quite, you know, fourth quarter unit was around $2 million. That's in sell-in. He said, in terms of sell-out, we believe that was quite smooth. Steve Jobs mistranslated quite smooth, as did others, but the translation was quite small. Wall Street Journal fixed it. Gadget fixed it. Journal retracted it. Steve Jobs felt like it was just it was more convenient to say that Samsung's Galaxy Tab isn't selling than in fact that it's doing quite well. Just it's more convenient. I think the I think it's it, it's just unnecessary. Not ninety percent. No, not ninety percent market share. Not not the first dual core tablet. Samsung's doing just fine. Thank you. However, despite the smirch on the besmirching of the, the keynote, I think the iPad 2 looks like a great product. And I certainly will, uh, will get one. I have to get one. I have to cover it. I'm also going to get a BlackBerry Playbook and a Motorola Zoom. But I have to think that uh, Apple will sell. They're, they're planning to sell. They sold last year in the first nine months uh, of uh, iPad sales. They sold, I think, 15 million units. Uh, they're predicting double, at least maybe triple that number this year. Wow. By the way, Samsung VP, a woman. I'll take, I'll retract that. She, not a he. Sorry about that. Lee Young, he is a woman. But I think I got the quote right. 8888-ASK-LEO, <laughs> What do you Do you like the iPad too? Is it what you wanted or is it not enough? Are there other choices you prefer? What about your next phone? Is it going to be a dual-core phone? Lots of good ones coming out. We could talk about home theater, too. It's all coming up. I'm going to take your calls next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Laporte, the tech guy. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number if you want to call. A question, a comment, a suggestion. Lots of uh, other tech stories we'll talk about, including WordPress.com attacked by the Chinese. Turns out now, we think, because there was one site the Chinese government didn't like on WordPress.com, they attempted and succeeded for a while in taking the whole, the whole WordPress.com and its how many millions of blogs down with an attack? Amazing. But before we do that, let's get back to the phones or get to the phones. Johannes is on the line. Johannes, where are you calling from today? I'm coming. I'm calling from Nashville, but I actually called you a while ago from Germany. Great to talk to you. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You said you were going back to Nashville. Yes. Uh, and I ended up getting the iPhone 4. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great phone. Good. Um, but I actually had a question about my hard drive. Um, I, it keeps crashing or something. I get blue screens at death, and when I reboot the PC, it'll do, run check disk. One time, I couldn't load any of my accounts. Um, it, it went into default account mode. I rebooted. My accounts were back. Sometimes files will be there, and they won't be there. I do have Carbonite, but I'm sort of worried about my 
hard drive. Yeah. I mean, it's it's telling you something, isn't it? It's saying, yeah. I'm not happy. <laughs> hard yeah. drives. Google did a release a couple of years ago. Really great study. I'll see if I can find it. Put it on the show notes for you at techguylabs.com. They use more hard drives than anybody. Everything yeah. you do on Google, you know, is sitting on a hard drive somewhere. So all of those massive number of servers they have, each of them has hard drives, and they keep very good statistics on them. And what they found was hard drives die early on. Uh, uh-huh. you, you call it infant mortality in the first few months because there's something wrong with them. And then they do pretty well for about two years, and then they start dry, dying at the rate of 8% a year every year like clockwork. Yeah. So after oh, wow. two years, a hard drive, you know, 8% of all hard drives are just going to stop working or, or work less well or something like what you're experiencing, with, which is some of the drive works okay and some of it doesn't. And, you know, sometimes people report, oh, my computer seems much slower or sometimes it, it crashes uh, at, at weird times. And this could be hard drive failure. If you think about it, the computer doesn't give up after looking at the hard drive. It, if it can't read yeah. it, it tries again and again okay. and again. It gives up after a while, but eventually it gives up. So it slows it down. It feels like it's laboring. Uh, sometimes yeah. files won't load. Then they'll load another time. And that means that those sectors are hard to read. So can you recover it? Perhaps, if you wish uh, you could. Uh, there's a program that my friend uh, Steve Gibson wrote, disclaimer, he does a show for me, called Security Now, called Spinrite, which is a great program. It's, there's, there's one negative. It costs more than a new hard drive. Oh, but if there's yeah. something on <laughs> there's something on that drive you really want or you're attached somehow to that drive, it's about $90. What Spinrite does, it doesn't look at the file system. It doesn't know about Windows or Mac or anything like that. It doesn't know it doesn't know about operating systems. It doesn't know any of that stuff. All it knows is the the actual metal, the bare metal. It says, "Can I read this sector on the hard drive? If I can't, keep trying until I can get that data off." And it tries much harder than the operating system does. And then if it can get the data off, it relocates it and then says, that sector, stop using that sector. But, you know, this is the same thing the manufacturer does. All hard drives come with bad sectors. It's just that you're starting to lose some sectors. Now, does it mean the hard drive is going to die? Could be, but it could also just be there's some bad sectors. Uh, and, the, in fact, sometimes you can run a spinner on a drive, and it's fine for years to come. Oh. You just don't know. There's no way to look inside that drive and see what's going on. So, good, you have a backup. Yeah. That's very important. You, you, if you don't want to spend the money on Spinrite, you could uh, format that drive and start over, and it, that could be enough to fix it. Yeah, but then I would have to reinstall Windows and everything, right? Yeah, it's kind of a pain. Uh, if you really, uh, if it's a mission, you know, if this were a mission, what they call a mission critical situation, I love that phrase, mission critical. If <laughs> I'm sure that comes from NASA. You know, it's, it's critical to the mission. If it's mission critical, like you can't afford to have it down for even a moment, then it's probably time to buy a new hard drive just in case. Okay. And but I, I do like Spinrite. I think, uh, you know, if, if Spinrite is used primarily in shops where there's a lot of hard drives or, you know, uh, you do a lot of repairs, you, you know, another thing you could do is I would say any good computer repair shop would have a copy of Spinrite. You could bring it in and say, could you Spinrite this? But I think if you use hard drives, you have more than one computer, you buy, I mean, I use tons of hard drives. We buy them by the, by the uh, I think, the dozen uh, Spinrite's a really great utility. It's a really great utility. Uh, Stride in our chat room is pointing out something. If it's a mission-critical situation, you're probably not just using one hard drive anyway, are you? You're using a what's called a RAID array, so that if one drive fails, you just pop in another one. You replace it and don't lose any data. And that's that's actually the case. If you, and More and more uh, consumers are using RAID. The, the RAID I'm talking about is not RAID 0. 
or RAID 1, the kind of uh, low-end RAID you get on your motherboard, but it been in fact something called RAID 5, which is designed to have several drives, usually four or more drives, uh, arranged in such a way that it not only speeds up your system, but it also uh, has data redundancy. So if one of those four drives fails, you pull it, you put in another one, it rebuilds the array, and you've not lost a bit of data, and you're, and you're good to go. Uh, that's that's what a server will typically do, things like that. Um, and that's what something like a Drobo does. They don't call it RAID, but it's very similar. Labs.google.com slash papers. Thank you. Trouble in our chat room. Pass this along. Slash disk underscores failures dot, uh, dot PDF. It's a PDF file. So you won't, it, it, when you open your browser, it'll be, it'll, it'll down, kind of download a PDF and then display it. Failure trends in a large disk drive population. This came out uh, two th- February 2007, but it was fascinating. And I, I think that the numbers are still pretty good. If you work in the business, you certainly should be reading this because uh, this, is, this is an issue for you, is drive failure and how, how reliable they are. But it's statistical. It doesn't predict how your individual drive is going to do. Some, some drives last forever, practically. It, at least they outlast the, your interest in them. They're obsolete. I still have 500 megabyte drives, but that work fine. But I'm not. <laughs> what do I do with it? <laughs> Nothing. John Mission Viejo, California, listening to the Great KFI. Hi, John Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Hey, Leo, how you doing? Fantastic. Welcome. Hey, um, I bought a little netbook for my daughter, and it was working great for a while. But then the network adapters, both the wireless and the LAN, just and stopped working. So I reinstalled the drivers, seeing if that would, would do anything, but it's it just nothing. They're not connecting at all. And when I go to the uh, search for wireless networks, it's acting like it's looking for something, but it's always coming up blank, even though it's sitting right next to uh, my Wi-Fi here. You know, networks were cheap, right? Yep, cheap hardware. I mean, really cheap. Um, it could be that the hardware's failed. It's kind of hard to tell otherwise because most netbooks don't have a disk. If you had a CD drive you could attach to it you could download a free copy of of linux for instance boot to it and see if the networking works that way and if it does then you know it's the software not the hardware that's the kind of thing you have to do to diagnose this okay. uh but but i have i mean you know it's funny we don't see any netbooks anymore people aren't selling netbooks anymore and i think that the what happened is the market realized that these things really were pretty crappy they're great for a kid right they're small they're light they're cheap yep um you can always buy a USB network uh, Wi-Fi adapter and use that. They're not particularly expensive. Um, you could boot to a Linux if you're, you, you know, if, if you're a real geek, you could put Linux on a USB key and boot to that. It's a lot of work, but you would find out if the hardware had failed or if it was just the software. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
Leo Laporte, the tech guy. This portion of the tech guy program brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866, the number two, get net. 866 to get net to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Scott Wilkinson uh, is performing today. Actually, he's got a rehearsal, and next week he's performing. He's doing a concert to uh, commemorate the 100th anniversary of the uh, Triangle Shirtwaist Fire. Great industrial disaster in New York City uh, 100 years ago. And so he's not with us today, but he was with us yesterday, and he'll be on again next Saturday to make room for the uh, performance. Talk about home theater. And, of course, you can find... uh, uh, all of our shows uh, in podcast form. So if you miss Scott and you say, I would like to hear what he said, you can go back in time. Uh, many of our local stations, like KFI, KJO in San Francisco, and others offer uh, podcast versions, but you can also get it from me directly at twit.tv or uh, at the Tech Guy Labs website, techguylabs.com. We put audio of each and every show up. It takes us about a few days, maybe a week sometimes, but uh, we'll get it up there. And uh, you can go back and listen. In fact, we've got all the shows. This is episode 750 of The Tech Guy. And uh, we've got all 750 shows, minus a few reruns for vacations and stuff. 750 shows online there. 8888-ASK-LEO, the phone number. And let's go to Liberty, New Jersey. Dan is on the line. Hi. Uh, wait, 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 that's the wrong one. There's Dan. Hi, Dan. Leo Laporte, The Tech Guy. Hey, Leo. How you doing? Very well. Welcome to the show. Ah, thank you, thank you. Love your podcast. Listen to them all the time in the car. Pretty oh, much. Um, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you uh, don't tell the. <laughs> yeah, tell I know. Your station set. They're on the Eiffler radio right. There you go. <laughs> They're a little sensitive about podcasts, but you know, most uh, live radio stations are now realizing that that's what people want, and uh, and are offering not only podcasts but streaming live. Uh, this show is streamed in you know probably a hundred different ways. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that in, in, in many ways, the future of audio is bright. It just may not be over a terrestrial radio signal. Right. Not just, not just terrestrial. Find the advertisements. I mean, that's the information. It's sometimes handy, sometimes not. But, you know, that's where they get their money from. Well, I think so. I think, uh, I think if you think about it, um, uh, this is one of the best deals out there is free media, ad-supported media. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I've always done that because, I'll tell you why, you know, the other the alternative is subscription, right? Right. And, uh, and when you're doing a geek thing like I do, uh, geeks will just pass it around no matter what. So you, you really don't want to get in the business of copy protecting. I certainly don't. Sure. So I figure we'll give it away, but we have to make a living somehow. So we, that's why. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I have a Samsung Focus that I had to send back to the factory for warranty repair. And um, I had put a micro SD chip in it. And before I sent it back, I pulled it out. Now I have um, to reformat it. Right. It, it's got that special um, right. Windows phone formatting on Right. <laughs> the data, right. I have the data, so that's not a problem. I don't need to save it. Uh, I just want to. So you're saying you want to use it in something besides that focus? Yes. Oh, this is a mess. I don't know how this happened. Uh, as you know, uh, if you listen to our shows, we do a Windows show with uh, Paul Thorat, Windows Weekly. Absolutely. I've... And Paul is the expert on Windows Phone 7. He's, he wrote the book. Yeah, absolutely. And I have that book. Literally. It's great. Yeah. So 
you know, as you, if you've been listening, you know, this has been the weirdest drama. Uh, when I bought my Samsung Focus, uh, I was told by AT&T, and they even showed me the bulletin that they had been sent by the home office. Don't put an SD card in here. Well, it's more complicated than that. They told me, oh, Microsoft's going to fix it. They still haven't. Uh, there's some bug in it. They're going to still, no, we don't know. Nobody's, nobody knows. Nobody's even admitting. Mm. Paul has tried different SD cards. And as your with your experience, some work. But he says that the reason it's an issue is because they're not just using it like other phones do as additional storage. You know, if I plug in another phone that has an SD card in it, the, the, the SD card mounts as a drive. And I can drag stuff over to it. It's just a, it's normal, but somehow, in some weird way, Microsoft's doing something different with these SD cards, making its file system part of the phone's file system and not separate. And so, as you've observed, it's just it's not normal. Right. It's kind of like the hard drive, external hard drive on a TiVo. Right. It's kind of uh, paired to the to the uh, Windows Phone. Exactly. Uh, and yeah. um, my problem was not with the SD card. Uh, that seemed to work okay. Uh, but then I had to send it back, send it back. It's all under warranty and stuff. But um, I'm hoping there's some way I can, like, restart from scratch the SD card. <laughs> you can't just format it, can you? Uh, no, it's, like, protected. I haven't tried this, but that's what I'm being told. Yes, it's being protected. And so, and Gadget says, guess how he, they fixed it? <laughs> They bought, and I happen to have this phone, so if you want to come over to my place, I'll help you. They okay. bought a Nokia N8 phone. I had heard that. <laughs> and they were, because, and here's the reason, Symbian, the Nokia operating system, handles this secured SD format. That's what's happened. It's a secured SD card. Right. And so the Symbian can read and reformat that card. Um, so if you happen to have a friend with a Nokia phone... <laughs> I went down to the AT&T store and asked them if I could borrow one of their phones off the wall. <laughs> What'd they say? And they didn't have one. Oh. They didn't have one that would reformat the card. They had Nokia phones, but they didn't have um, one of those. I, do you know of a, a list someplace of the phones that will um, do I don't. This is, this is just this one... Um... And gadget article uh, that came out in November. I happen to have an N8. I could try it if you wanted to mail it to me. I'd format it and send it back to you. Hmm. That would be I'd interesting. Be, <laughs> I'd be glad to do that. Uh, or you could cast around for some. I'm sure somebody in Liberty has an N8. Uh, I don't know what other ones work, but that's we do know that one works because that's what Engadget used. Okay. Um, and now N8, the N8 has Symbian three. The latest version of Symbian. I I don't know if earlier versions did or not. Hmm. Um, and, and, so um, I'm just looking. It looks like yeah, they still haven't fixed this. You know, there is an update for that Samsung Focus. They put out an update uh, a couple of weeks ago that that bricked a lot of phones. Microsoft has botched this so badly. Yeah, it's I heard kind of sad about that. But mine was in transit at the time. So my chat room says any Symbian phone will work. So. Hmm, okay. Well, but that's what the chat room says. I, you know, um, but uh, if that's the case, it, what you're looking for is a phone that can handle secure SD. Right. Okay. A Nokia phone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Nokia is is one. Symbian is an operating system that handles secure SD. Presumably, other phones handle secure SD. Hmm. Um. By the way, they've released a fix to the update 
And uh, Dr. Mom in the chat room saying that's not working too well either. <laughs> uh, Paul yeah. Rot's point, and Paul really, Paul has a dog in this hunt. He wrote a book. He wants people to buy Windows Phone 7. So when he says this is not good, I you can believe him because it's not in his interest. Uh, he says uh, that, uh, you know, guys, you could have gotten away with this a few years ago, but you can't you can't mess around now if you're going to win the hearts and minds of iPhone and Android users, you've got to be impeccable. And you can't brick people's phones. You can't have this screw up with the SD cards. This is not good for Microsoft. Right, right. Microsoft and and, and Samsung, I guess, are having some birthing pains. I love the Focus. I, it's a great phone. It's also, it's my first smart uh, phone. Um, I had a, a Motorola Razor before that, and uh, I had to go back. That's a good upgrade. In fact, I was telling people, that uh, that's where I think, when, and I think Microsoft believes this, the Windows Phone 7 is a great first smartphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because it's a little easier to use than Android. It's a, it's actually more flexible and I think more elegant than the iPhone. Um, oh, I'm sorry. You know, if uh, if you hang on the line, I'll give you my address. You can mail it to me. <laughs> I'll be glad to find Finally, something I could do with the N8. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Ask Leo. Got a question, a comment, a suggestion. We're talking about tech. Uh Uh-huh. Super PC. My buddy in Virginia. Hey, Super PC, how you doing today? I'm good. How's life? It's been good for me. (laughs) That's great. Super PC does a great... uh, a great uh, Ustream channel, if you want to follow him. He's, what, you're, what, 14 or 15 now? Not that old. <laughs> Not that old yet. <laughs> you're a young guy. It's following in my footsteps. How you doing, Super PC? I'm Tell, doing what good, I do? though. Good. So I added ads to the website, Google AdSense. We haven't made much, but we're getting there. About- we talked about that yesterday. This is a good, uh, actually, I'm going to use you as an example, because I, you probably heard the show yesterday where a guy called in and said, I want to, Launch a website, it's going to be huge, but how do I, I want to sell my own ads. And I said, whoa, slow down. Uh, just start with Google AdSense. Now, it's not, you're not going to make a lot of money, but at least you can implement it immediately. And I think that's a good idea. I think that's a that's way to make a little bit of money on the thing. Now, I just wanted to ask if there are any other ways to monetize, because on Fancy Show Tech, we want to buy more gadgets and things to review, but... <laughs> It is a challenge, isn't it? Is uh, is um, and uh, you know this is one of the reasons I don't do it anymore. But a lot of magazine reporters and who actually can afford to buy these things, and a lot we did it on Tech TV, take loans of products from companies to review them and then send them back. And I do it occasionally, but I prefer if I can to buy them. But you know the reason you know journalists don't buy them is because it, that adds up, doesn't it? And you're you're starting starting out, so you probably not. This is kind of the catch twenty two. You can't afford to buy them, and you're not big enough to get the product loans. And uh, and this is one of the reasons that uh, you know tech coverage really ends up in the hands of the big guys. Although I'm I'm happy to see with UStream and YouTube and other uh, other streaming uh, free streaming services and free podcast services like Libsyn that people are making uh, their own shows and they are doing their own reviews, and I think that's very positive. 
Um, you know, AdSense is probably the best single thing you can do. Uh, you could uh, try selling subscriptions. If you have, you have done a good job building a community, you could say to them, I'd like to do more. How about a buck a month and set up a PayPal account they can donate to. Uh, that's one way to do it. Another way that's kind of interesting, and I'm seeing more and more of, you know about Kickstarter? Yeah, but uh, I, I researched them, and they're only like for things like projects, one-time things. Yeah, so what you could do is say, as a project, I would like to review the iPhone 5. That's a project. So I want to raise money for my review. You do have to read the rules. I think that's good that you're doing that, Super PC, because, of course, there are rules. But more and more, we're seeing people use Kickstarter. So the way Kickstarter works, kickstarter.com, you go on there and you say, I'd like to do a project. Uh, I'd like to do, I'm an artist and I want to do a, a performance piece. I'm a writer. I want to write a book. I'm, <laughs> here's, here's one that's very interesting. They're trying to raise money for a documentary about a game called Minecraft. Uh, the goal is $150,000. Already they've raised $135,000 from 2,190 backers. So in the past, if you wanted to make a movie or a Broadway play or, or uh, anything that you needed capital, you'd you'd have to go to somebody with deep pockets and say, please, sir, please, sir, can I have a buck? But now you could go right in the public and they pledge. Now, you don't spend any money until the project reaches its goal. So you can pledge right now $100 to this project, for instance, this documentary movie. But until they make their $150,000 goal, nobody owes anybody anything. Now, once they make, once they get enough pledges, which they're going to, it's pretty clear, they will come back to you and you will be debited. <laughs> you have given them, you'll either give them a credit card or a PayPal account and you will be debited. So this isn't a way to kind of make a, a false pledge. You really have to, but you can pledge a dollar or more. If you pledge 15 or more, they'll put your name in a special thank you section of the credits. $30 or more, you'll get a special DVD. $60 or more, it's $100 more. So the more you give, the, this, the, all of these Kickstarters work this way. There's rewards, T-shirts or something. And if it's something people are really interested in, like this documentary, it's usually not too hard to raise the money. Now, Super PC, you're going to have to use your community. You're going to have to promote it on your Ustream and say, hey, uh, want me to review the iPhone 5? Well, you have to help me buy it. All I need is 200 people to give me a buck, and I bet you could do that. Let's start by giving you a plug. What's the, what's the name of your Ustream channel? Uh, my username is Sonic iMac, channel Fancy Show Tech, and the website is FancyShowTech.tv for anyone who wants to know about my website. I think it's great. I, I'm planning on retiring in about, uh, oh, 10, 15, 20 years. You, will you be ready? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you better be. Look at what a great job uh, Super PC is uh, uh, doing. Here's FancyShowTech.com. Great looking website. Justin, you could do this. Justin's a high school student. You could do this. See? It's fun, isn't it? Pretty impressive. Congratulations on your success, Super PC. I'd, I'd look at Kickstarter. I think it's a good idea to have these ads. Of course, if you go to Ustream, you could say, I want a producer account. And uh, they, put, they can make some money on there as well. There's a lot you can do. Oh, look. He's already. Look at this. See, you, you know what you're doing. He's already got a little tip jar on there. From, I've never heard of this one, Desktop, and you've raised $102. you got two contributors. I'm raising money for Desktop. Oh, that's, ah, that's interesting. 
That's that's a little widget on the website. So you've got you're already thinking of some interesting uh, interesting ideas. This is very similar to Kickstarter. I think that what I love about this is it becoming easier and easier for somebody who has a dream to fulfill their dream without having to go to uh, the, the deep pockets of the world or get permission. I'll talk a little, I just I rewatched the uh, Social Network, the Facebook movie, um, the other uh, last night, and I and uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the things I I saw watching it again for the second time. Very interesting. But before I do that, and then by the way, we are going to get back to the phones. Zach on Orange in Orange County um, wants to know about the Windows Seven update. Service Pack One is out. I'll talk about that in a second. But first, let me remind you that this is a good day to back up. Every day is a good day to back up. If you don't back up today. How much data will you have lost when your hard drive dies? It will die. When's the last backup that you've done? A week ago, a day ago, a month ago, a year ago? Well, that's how much you're going to lose. Everything you've done since the last backup. This is why I like Carbonite.com. It backs you up continuously to the cloud, to the Internet. You can get that data, by the way, even before disaster strikes. That's kind of neat. It's like cloud storage. You just log on to your Carbonite account on any computer or their free iPhone and BlackBerry app, and there's your data. Right there. You can work with it, download it. It's great. And since we know something bad will happen eventually, if you have a computer catastrophe, all your data is safe. Carbonite, unlimited backup, the last man standing in this business, the unlimited backup for your Mac or PC, all the personal data on your internal drive for just $55 a year. Sign up now. Try it for free. I always encourage you to do the free trials. Two weeks free if you go to Carbonite.com. And use my name, Leo. Get a sense of how this works. It does use your internet connection. You have to be connected to the internet. So you want to try before you buy. It will not slow you down, I promise. Because uh, it just trickles it up to the internet over time. And if after the 15-day trial you say, I like this, use my name, Leo, again when you sign up for Carbonite.com. And they'll take your one-year subscription and extend it to 14 months free. Carbonite.com. Offer code Leo. you got to back it up to get it back. So do it right. With Carbonite. Zach. Orange. California. Hi, Zach. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, how's it going? Fantastic. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I have a quick question, actually. It's something that I found um, kind of kind of odd, actually. Um, I was just recently working on a, a brand new um, laptop um, PC with uh, Windows 7, and I want to say I know it had at least home on it, if not um, higher. Right. Also, in its wireless um, capabilities, it had the, uh, the wireless N, I guess you can say. And mm-hmm. I happened to notice because I was jumping from you know location to, to location, noticing that I couldn't log in to any um, any wireless access points, being that they're all encrypted and whatnot. But at the same time, I was still downloading, or you know, I was still collecting um, packets or whatnot. And every once in a while, it said it would say, state that it would have a new Windows update. And wondering if that is actually even feasible or possible. That's interesting. So you believe you're not on a wireless access point uh, because you had a they were secured. You couldn't log in. And yet, it seemed to be downloading, uh, at least checking for an update. And I don't know how it would do that. Yeah, and that's what I would admit. To me, it just seems, you know, because the only two places that I was particular, you know, particularly at for the majority of the time would be at my home, which we don't have internet right now. We're actually utilizing them. Um, so, so you mean you've never, you've, because <laughs> my only guess would be at some point somewhere you were on the internet. It doesn't take much for it to figure out there's an update. It doesn't mean you got the update. It just means True. you needed, you know, it's saying, oh, Oh, there's an update. That's a few a few bytes get by. Um, it may be, you know, some of these access points, when you go to them, they seem to work. 
But then it gives you a logon page that says, I need you to give me a credit card or something like that. It may be that some packets are leaking by there. That's an Zach, hang on, because after we come back from the news, I want to I investigate, because I wonder if that's the case. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. here, the tech guy, and it's time to talk about tech, computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, all those digital doodads inhabiting your life. Digital photography, too, in fact, in about half an hour, 33 after the hour. Our friend Chris Marquardt will stop by. In fact, uh, I think he's going to review photos from our photo assignment, which we'll be working on. Water was the assignment. Just illustrate the concept of, was it water or liquid? Anyway, we'll find out (laughs) in about half an hour from Right now. Meanwhile, I'm taking your calls, talking about tech with you, helping you make those purchase decisions, answering your questions at 888-827-5536. The website is techilabs.com. If you want to you know, save your time on the show notes, you don't have to write anything down while you're listening. Just go over there and listen. look up the show, 750. That's this episode, and it's all there, thanks to James DeRuvo. You don't have to write it down. He does. Also, links there to our chat room. A lot of people in there, a lot of fun, and uh, and more. TechGuyLabs.com, live video stream, too. Let's go to, uh, let's see. Z- oh, did I talk to Zach in Orange? I think I did. Zach was asking a question that I still don't know the answer to. He uh, He doesn't have internet at home. He has a new Windows 7 computer. He hasn't, as far as he knows, gotten online anywhere. Every time he goes somewhere where there's an access point, a Wi-Fi access point, it's it's secured. Needs a password. And yet somehow his Windows knows there's an update. Well, I think, the, first of all, a couple of things. Yes, you got online somewhere. It doesn't magically know. It doesn't need much time online to find out there's an update. Because uh, all it has to do is check with Microsoft servers. Microsoft says, yep. It's possible. You know, the updates come out the second Tuesday of every month. It's possible... <laughs> That uh, I suppose that there's a calendar in Windows that just says it's time to update. That may be it. Doesn't mean the update's there, of course. It just means that there is an update. You'll still have to find an online service point and download it. Now, if you don't go online, you probably can't ignore updates. Most of those updates are not to improve reliability or to speed up your computer. Almost always, those updates are to fix security flaws. Certainly the critical updates every second Tuesday are security flaw fixes. There is a uh, an update that everybody using Windows 7 should probably download right now. It's called the Service Pack 1. And it's it's does, Microsoft does this usually every year or so. The idea is take all the updates that we've done over the last year, roll them up into one blob, and uh, send them out so that everybody can be up to date. Very important that you stay up to date with Windows or with any operating system. Frankly, very important these days to stay up to date with everything, including application software, because 
The bad guys are always looking at this stuff, looking for a way to take advantage of it. And they've realized now that most of you, thank goodness, because you are, are all learning about security. We are all learning about security. Do those Windows patches. You understand what happens. Every second Tuesday, Microsoft releases the fixes. The bad guys immediately jump on them, look at them, say, oh, oh, yeah, there's a hole. Oh, they figure out where the exploits, the, 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 the security flaws live. And they go after them because a lot of people don't do the updates. So that's why it's so important. When the updates come out, get them. Because as soon as they come out, the bad guys are working on them and will put stuff on websites that will attack your system using those security flaws. But because so many people update nowadays, the bad guys have had to go to plan B. Plan B is find holes in other software, not Microsoft software, but other software. Most recently, Adobe's Reader Program and Flash Program. These work well because most of the infections that happen nowadays happen on a website. You go to a website that seems like a normal website, but in fact, it's run by a guy who has kind of a shady character, and, and he's put on his website, invisible to you, little programs that look for flaws in your computer, and if they find them, attack your computer, get a, get a program in there. It doesn't have to be very big, and now you're a zombie. You're taken over. You're owned by the bad guy. So as you surf the web... Sometimes you'll see, uh, you'll do a, a Google search. Google and other uh, re responsible sites that are indexing the web, they have to do that all the time because their search engines, will notice when it goes to a website, oh, there's uh, malware on this site. I've, I've seen this before. And they'll actually put a notice when you go try to go to one of those sites the, uh, through a Google search. It has to be through a Google search, but they'll say, oh, no, no. If you're using Google Chrome, it will know too. Microsoft's Internet Explorer has a list of malware sites. Same thing. It'll say, no, don't go to that site. That's dangerous. The problem is they can't keep up. No one can keep up with the rapid number of sites coming online with malware on it. So you want to make those patches. So they, they, they realized, well, huh, Microsoft's uh, doing a good job updating uh, Adobe. How are they doing? Not so good. All good. So these sites include now include on their kit of attacks malformed PDF files. Your browser normally, when it sees a PDF, portable document format file, will just suck it down and open up Reader and say, go ahead, you take it. Well, since this flaw in Reader was discovered, now it's possible to create a PDF file that will affect your computer. So they put those PDF files on there. It's also possible to create Flash files that will affect your computer. So and now Adobe has to update these. In fact, Adobe has updated both Reader and Flash. But you have to know that, and you have to do those updates. So now it's important for you to update everything. How do you do that? There's no automated way to do it. You just have to check, pay attention, listen to uh, Security Now, which is our security show. We do that every Wednesday uh, on the network or on my Twit network, or um, read the security bulletins. It's kind of hard. You have to be a security expert these days. Apple just released what looked like an iTunes update this week. Did you notice 10.2 came out? And in the description, Apple said, oh, yeah, this is just getting iTunes ready for the new uh, iOS 4.3, which we're going to be shipping at the end of the week for the iPad 2 and the phones. And what they didn't tell you is it also patched a whole bunch of vulnerabilities in WebKit, the, the, uh, the web display backend that iTunes and Safari use. And we expect more patches because there's an event coming up called Pwn to Own. <laughs> it's a kind of a interesting event they do every year in Vancouver in which... They take uh, an update 
updated computer for all the major operating systems. Uh, Linux, Windows, Macintosh. And uh, they invite hackers from all over the world to come and attack them. And there's a good big prize if you do it. It'll be the 9th, 10th, and 11th of March in Vancouver during CanSec West, Canadian Security West Conference. Uh, the target is web browsers. So Internet Explorer, Apple Safari, Mozilla Firefox, and Google Chrome. Each browser is running on a 64-bit system with the latest version of the operating system, whether it's Windows or OS X. If you succeed in hacking the system through this up-to-date browser and up-to-date system, you could win a laptop computer from Sony, an Alienware, MacBook Air, or Google CR48. <laughs> and $15,000 cash. Wow! There's a guy named Dan Kaminsky who every year breaks into Apple. Usually Apple's the first to go. The Safari's first to go. And every year wins that big cash payment. This year they're also adding mobile phones, which is great. They're going to have a Dell Venue Pro running Windows 7, an iPhone 4, a BlackBerry Torch, and a Nexus S, the latest phones from all of the big cell phone manufacturers. Which is not Dan Kaminsky. It's Charlie Miller, isn't it? I'm sorry. Dan Kaminsky is another great security guy. Charlie Miller is the guy who seems to hack these every time. And uh, he's, he's, he's coming back to hack Safari, he says. Apple, is, not only do they patch WebKit in this most recent update, but... Uh, Seems to be there's some indications that there will be a big Safari patch right before March 9th, the next couple of days. Watch for it. It will patch all the known exploits with Safari. See, they're determined not to be the machine that gets hacked this time around. Charlie Miller says, mm, not too worried. I think I got, I think I got, you know, he's saving up all year. I think I got one. He wants that 15 grand in the laptop. Next week, I'll let you know uh, who got hacked first. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Your call's right after this. Leo Laporte. The Tech Guy 8888. Ask Leo. Chatroom tells me that uh, there's a security company, a good one I know very well. It's called Secunia, which does updates. Secunia.com does updates on applications. So this is one way to find out if there's a, if your applications are out of date. Remember, that's how people attack nowadays. They don't attack through the operating system. They attack through the browser, the PDF readers, things like that. S-E-C-U-N-I-A. And I, is, is it a, um, yeah, it's called PSI, I think is what it's called. Is there a program that uh, you can run in the background on Windows? I think that's the one. And I believe it's free. Uh, that will um, keep track of what, uh, what applications are out of date and get, keep them up to date. That's becoming more and more important. Joe in Huntington Beach, California. Hi, Joe. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. I want to start a campaign to repeal the governor's pardoning power, and I was wondering how you'd go about it. Well, uh, you mean, 
how he would go about it on the internet, obviously, because I'm not the expert on how you what you would need to do. I presume you'd need to collect signatures on a petition. You'd probably need to do some fundraising as well, Joe. Uh, pretty much as always, the way to start, create a website. And there are lots of ways to create free websites now. WordPress.com, we were talking about that uh, last hour, was hacked. But they were attacked, not hacked, but attacked by the Chinese. Uh, but it, one of the reasons they attacked it is because there was a Chinese blogger who was using it uh, to uh, post comments that were unfavorable to the Chinese government. And the Chinese government couldn't pull it down, so they attacked the site. Uh, but the website is just the starting point. You might also want to uh, do what Charlie Sheen did last night and do a, <laughs> a live video stream. Um, there's lots of ways to organize. I mean, the, it's clear after the Egyptian revolution that the Internet is a great way to organize. You should have a Facebook page, shouldn't you? You bet. Once you create a Facebook page, by the way, uh, the way you do it is you create a personal account first. You have to have a personal account. Then you can add a page. And once you have a certain number of followers on that page, I guess they call them likes. Yeah, people. Once enough people like the page, I think it's 20, then you can apply for a unique name by going to facebook.com slash username. So uh, you want and you want to pick a good username that reflects what you're doing. So facebook.com slash repeal pardons in California or something like that. Then you could put a link to that. The nice thing about having a face on your webpage, the nice thing about having a Facebook page is as people discover it on Facebook and press that like button, or they can do the same on your website, by the way, it then telegraphs to all of their friends I'm following this. I like this. This is a page I care about. And so it can snowball. You're looking for ways to snowball, right? You're looking for ways. They call it go viral nowadays. The kids do. I mentioned I was watching the, uh, the social network, and it's, it's exactly how Facebook went viral. And now that same kind of virality can be spread to anything. If you, if you create a Facebook page, if you put a like button on your web page, a tweet button too is good because then people might tweet it. Another way you can spread the word. It's all about spreading the word, having people find you. And it works. Charlie Sheen, uh, how many did he get last night? 116,000 people watching him just kind of blather. It's kind of like a car wreck, isn't it? <laughs> I tuned in for a minute, and I realized it wasn't going anywhere fast and, uh, and tuned out. And apparently, I wasn't alone. It started, uh, got to 116,000, about 30,000 dropped off. That's not unusual. But it is a successful way to promote anything. Ustream.tv, that's the website, free video, live video streaming. Facebook.com, WordPress.com, or Blogger.com. These are all ways, free ways, that you can put the word out. And, and I, think it's, I think it's great uh, to use these, whatever your political strife, whatever your uh, cause, it can be used. David uh, Rancho Palos Verdes, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, David. Hey, Leo. Welcome to the show. What can I do for you? Well, I got Windows XP Pro, and I've been having a problem with low disk space, and I deleted some stuff, and I installed a new printer, a Canon uh, MP950. Mm-hmm. And now when I uh, rebooted the computer, and I got the Windows uh, logon screen, mm-hmm. uh, my mouse pointer is frozen. <laughs> Oops. Maybe you deleted a little too much stuff. Uh, I don't think so. 
wheel. Um, it makes it kind of hard to do anything after this. Uh, do you, does, does the computer, is the computer still alive? I mean, can you use your keyboard? No, the keyboard won't, you know, you mean like using okay. the tab? So basically everything's dead. It's not just the mouse won't move. Nothing will move. Well, I just can't get into Windows. It's stuck where? What does it look like? Okay, well, when you reboot, you know, it goes through all the the screens, and then it gets to this one uh, screen that says Windows Log On. And then that's it. It's dead. Yeah. yeah. Can't get past it. Yeah, because you can't type and you can't use your mouse. Right. So uh, one thing to try is safe mode. The way you get into safe mode is reboot the machine. In this case, you'll probably have to just turn it off physically. Hold down the on-off uh, on button and just hold it on until it shuts off. And press it again to turn it on. And uh, tap the F8 key or the Shift key. I guess it's XP, so try the F8 key. Just tap, 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 tap. Right before it says Loading Windows, if you hit it right there, it'll go into a text-only screen. It'll say a number of things, but one of them will be Safe Boot, Safe Mode. Uh, there are a couple of choices there also uh, that you might want to take a look at, including last known good configuration. It might be that, in fact, something about the install screwed up your configuration. But my suspicion is what you did is you deleted a little too much stuff. you got to be careful about what you delete. Uh, so try safe mode. See if things will come alive. If they do, oh, that's good news. It's some driver or something. You might want to try unplugging the printer. Maybe the printer's causing the problem. You can, from safe mode, un mode, uh, mode, uninstall that printer driver if that's what caused the problems. Um, safe mode is a good place to go because if you can get into safe mode, it means that at least things are still working, but there's a driver issue. You might want to reinstall your mouse driver, USB drivers. Your, you know, it's all sorts of things that could go wrong there. Do try before you do all this unplugging and replugging all the USB devices. In fact. What I would do is unplug everything on the USB chain except for your mouse and keyboard and see what you can do with that. I have a feeling that what happened when you... <laughs> you got to be a little careful when you delete things. Because <laughs> stuff you don't know what it is, but you delete it, and it could be, oh, gee, Windows kind of needed that. Might have kind of needed that. If you can get into safe mode, at least you know Windows can kind of get going. If you can't, then the next thing to do is get your Windows install disk. I hope you have one. Unfortunately, these days, a lot of computers are sold without it because Microsoft's worried you'll steal Windows. And as a result, you get a setup that's just completely useless because without a Windows install disk, I don't know how you fix this problem. But if you have the Windows install disk, you run it as if you're going to install Windows. You get right up to the point where it's about to install Windows and it say, whoa, 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 hold on. You got Windows. Would you like me to repair it? And you say, yes, please. And let's hope if you did delete some key files that that repair will go through and say, oh, you're missing this, this and this. Put them back on and all will be well couple of things, a couple of things you can try anyway. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, Chris Markmart, the photo guy, coming up at 33 past the hour.
This portion of the Tech Guy is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866-2-GET-NET to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy, 8888. Ask Leo. Oh, I was going to get Chris Marquardt on. I almost forgot. Let me call him up on Skype. Chris Marquardt is our photo guy. Joins us uh, most weeks to talk about photography. And I think we have, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a review of some of our submissions in our uh, assignment. It's not a competition. It's not a contest. It's just a, a, an excuse to take more pictures. So we like to do this, uh, and every month or so we'll go back and take a look at some of the pictures out there. Hey, Chris, almost forgot hey, you. Hey, Leo, how are you? I'm great. Welcome back. <laughs> Yeah, we want to review pictures today. Um, the assignment was liquid, not water, liquid. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and um, I'm I'm pretty amazed, always amazed about the pictures that come in. We had almost eighty pictures come into the assignment, and um, well, let's let's just go through them. Let's just have a quick. Awesome. So I should just tell people where they can go to see these. It's on. They're on Flickr. F L I C K. I sent you an email, so um, you actually should have the links with you. And if you go um, to F, if you go to F L I C K R dot com, and you look for the Tech Guy group, you will find uh, some great pictures from past assignments, and uh, of course our current assignment, which is Liquid. So F L I C K R dot com, and the group is. Tech guy, you could search for it. In fact, if you're a Flickr member, and everybody should be because it's free to join. In fact, if you're a Yahoo user, if you already have a Yahoo account, you'll have a Flickr account, and uh, and uh, just join that group. It's free to join, and you can submit uh, pictures for our next assignment, which I'll, we'll tell you about in a second. So, liquid, liquid was the assignment, and um, yeah, I've chosen three pictures as usual. The first one by uh, Gerald Wiley. And I love is, this. This is like uh, he's frozen time. This is a pu- this this is one of those pictures that is very very reduced. When you look at what the amount of colors they are in, maybe two black, yeah. white, maybe a bit of gray. So it's really reduced to the basics. And he didn't quite freeze time. You can see at the well. well first of all, well, what are we looking at? We're looking at a glass, and we're looking at water dripping from the butt. Well, it's not really really dripping. It's more like. Um, <laughs> splashing into the glass from above, and it's a beautiful that, shot, I have to say. And there's that, and it's and black, it a black background. There's no other yeah. detail. It's just the water, just the glass. Yes, and the, what I like about the picture, first of all, it's reduced nature. The way it is kind of connected to it connects to the outside of the picture through the water coming in from the outside, and the reflection of it kind of shows you the same thing in a distorted form on the bottom. So this picture. Um, in ba- basically, with the bubbles on the water surface, it makes kind of a cross shape. And those lines are leading all towards the middle of the picture or maybe even outside if you look at it from a different angle. So I really like that. I was really happy about that. Very nice. Yeah. And the second picture by Photo Utopia <laughs> called Soft Drops. Soft Drops. And that is another one of those pictures that has many layers. Mm, beautiful. I really like the way this is layered, and I really like the colors in there. So we're looking at um, pretty interesting color harmonies, some green-blue in the background, and that is complemented by something yellow sticking in from the front. We have a uh, water surface with drops falling on. So part of that thing in the background, I think, is probably a reflection, but I'm not really sure because 
it might also be under the water surface. So it has the it has the layer of the water surface. It has a layer of um, a tiled wall, and it has a layer of the reflection in the water surface. And then even a fourth layer, the yellow thing sticking in, in on the top left, which um, makes it a nice multi-layer composition. So you like the layers. You like the uh, the complexity of it. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it's complexity that that you can explore. It gives you something to work with. It gives you something to look at and um, and think about. It's not just oh. It's a horse. <laughs> Something. Yeah. It's, but it's kind of the opposite of the. It's it's still abstract, but it's kind of opposite of the first one in that it's got a lot more yes. color, a lot more going on. But it's still yes. kind of abstract because it's it's you know it's uh, reflections and things. This final one is far from abstract. This is far from abstract. It's called uh, "Go with the Flow," number <laughs> seventy-five. It's by... a, a guy's hands under a tap, and the water's mm-hmm. dripping down. But, but uh, and then I don't know how he did the the water underneath uh, in the sink, but it. It's just beautiful. Well, uh, the, I think what makes that picture interesting, apart from like the, the clarity he put into that and the light is really good, um, what makes that interesting is that it's a different a different perspective. It's basically from 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 the belly button. It's from, right. You never see that shot, do you? Yeah. Not, not really. So so he must have put the camera on a tripod right um, at the edge of the sink, and um, he he explains in the comments how he did the picture from a lighting point of view so he it looks like high dynamic range it's not it's probably something along those lines there's there's definitely some processing in there Mm -hmm. um kind of hyper real i just like well first of all the symmetry the clarity of it and the unusual perspective it shows you something from a perspective where you would normally not see it uh shot by a camera Somebody in the chat room said this would be a good ad for personal hygiene. <laughs> I could see a poster saying, wash your hands. <laughs> and, and there is space on the bottom where you can put some text on top. So it's an ideal poster kind of it picture is, because it? It, leaves, it leaves that space that uh, you could use for copy. He shot this with a uh, Pentax K200, K200D, a new, which is one of the new SLRs from Pentax. People are really raving about it. And I have to say that is a nice shot. Very nice shot. So really good selection, really great stuff. Uh, Liquid was certainly one that the participants liked and sent him some This guy was stuff. fairly yep. serious. I mean, he says he had a 21 millimeter lens and a Metz 48 <laughs> flash resting on the sink. The camera yes. was on a tripod triggered with a timer. <laughs> yeah. He ran it through Lightroom, did some lens correction, color correction, and Photoshop. Used Lucas and he writes he was hoping... I mean, he writes, he was hoping to break his camera so he could buy a new one. So he was, <laughs> he was hoping to get it wet. Oh, well, I guess he failed in that one. But it, it just shows you, I mean, the, the, the uh, second one was taken with a, a Panasonic DMC ZS6, which is a great little point-and-shoot, not an expensive camera. The first mm-hmm. one with a, a fairly expensive Sony DSLR, the A100. So it just shows you, you don't have to have a fancy camera. Oh, you can take great pictures with an iPhone if you want you to. You bet. You bet. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, we have a new assignment. I think we need a new assignment. Yes, sir. Yes. Um, I kind of like the, the reduced nature of some of those pictures, so mm-hmm. I thought we make the new assignment a reduction. Reduction. Now, I don't want anyone to send in like an, an all-black or all-white picture. Okay, That's too reduced. That's too reduced. <laughs> but um, something that really shows that someone thought about what can I take out of the picture instead of what can I add to the picture. I like that. And... Uh, we should say that you don't have to be literal minded either. I don't. We don't need a gravy reduction. <laughs> well, it could be, Why but not? it could be. That would be actually very creative. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, a cooking term. 
Um, here's how you do it. Uh, we have this, as I mentioned, this great Flickr group, F-L-I-C-K-R.com. If you're not a member of Flickr, it's free to join. There is a pro account, and if you get serious about Flickr, you'll probably pay for that, but you don't need it to do this. Uh, once you're in, then go to groups. You'll see it right at the top under the masthead. Search for Tech Guy and uh, just join the group. doesn't cost anything to do that. Orbit Gal will we- welcome you. She puts right in there, right on the front page, the assignment and all the rules and so forth and so on. And uh, she also does mini assignments on there, which is fun. For instance, they're doing reflections right now, and they have an I Spy game as well going on. So it's yeah, if, we, if we're not fast enough to review the pictures, um, she takes looks, over. Like, looks like the Flickr group can really take care of themselves. They're really good. I, I, yeah, I love that. And really, again, this is all about one thing, just getting you out there to take more pictures because yes. that's how you get better. And it's fun. Whatever camera you're using, even an iPhone or a camera phone. Uh, or film. Fine. Or film. Here, look, there. look at that. You, you still shoot <laughs> film? What is that? I never saw that before. Dude. That's 120. That's 120 roll Holy film. Cow. That's a uh, six by six centimeter negatives. That is chrismarquart.com, uh, <laughs> the place to go for Chris's website. He's got some great workshops coming up in the states this summer. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, dinner. Interrupt to Jimmy. Sounded good, didn't he? 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number if you have a question, a comment, a suggestion. Ram on the line from Erie, Pennsylvania. Hi, Ram. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, Mr. Laporte? Fantastic. What can I do for you today? So my question is regarding uh, Sirius XM versus the Droid and Pandora. Right now I have the... Pioneer XMP3 player that allows me to use my Sirius XM in my car, at home, and if I'm jogging outside. But it gets to be frustrating if I travel and I have to disconnect my car kit from my car and put in the rental car and my home kit to put in the hotel and then reassemble it again. And on, furthermore, I have to uh, buy a new XMP3 player because it's on the fritz, which is going to cost me another 150 bucks, and then I have to renew my subscription. So I was thinking about, right now I have a HTC Touch Pro 2, and, but it's a Windows mobile phone, and to play streaming audio, it's very jumpy. So I was thinking about upgrading to an Android phone and getting the Pandora app, but I wasn't sure if that's a, a good idea or not. I love Pandora, and I subscribe. Uh, Pandora's fantastic, but it does depend on why you listen to the radio, because if you want talk radio, you're not going to get any on a Pandora, and if you want... Um, you know, the way Pandora works, they have some built-in channels, but mostly what you do is create your own channel. You pick the artists you like. So uh, let's say you like Jimi Hendrix. You, it says start a channel. So you type Jimi Hendrix. Now, what it, what, the way Pandora was designed it was around the Music Genome Project, which Tim Westergren, the guy who started Pandora, thought this up many years ago. He said, there seems to be some, I don't know, DNA in songs that, they're similar, but, but it's going to take a musician to figure out what the similarities are. So they, they kind of made a checklist of, I don't know, 50, 60, 100 different 
features in a song, singer-songwriter, male vocal, female vocal, heavy metal guitar, on and on and on. And they got musicians to go through a ton of music and, and classify it. That's the Music Genome Project. Pandora came along long later, but it uses that database. So when you type in Jimi Hendrix, they then will fill that channel with related music according to the genome. And, and you know, it does a pretty good job. Uh, the negatives on Pandora are you don't get to choose the songs. It's kind of more like a radio station, but you do get to choose the style. Uh, some people complain about excess repetition. The Pandora database is smaller than, say, iTunes or, or Rhapsody. Because it is, uh, you know, it's essentially the stuff that they've typed with the Genome Project. So it's a smaller database. Now, the good news is by buying that Android phone, that smartphone, you don't just have to use Pandora. There's Stitcher, which it does, does do talk radio, does podcasts, stitches together podcasts. Uh, many of the radio stations you listen to stream. If you get iHeartRadio, for instance, on Android, you can listen to radio stations all over the country, including many stations that carry this show. Uh, you know, there aren't that many things you're going to miss on satellite radio, except maybe Howard Stern. If you're a Howard Stern fan, you're kind of out of luck. No, I just mainly use it for, you know, music and talk radio, but I know a lot of the talk radio, they have apps on the droid, so. They do. In fact, there is a Sirius XM app, uh, for black, for uh, both Blackberry and Android, I believe. So if you have, but now you have to pay extra for that streaming uh, subscription, I believe. Okay. But but you know, there's there's terrestrial radio, there's music. Rhapsody is available. You can subscribe to Rhapsody or a company called RDO, R D I O. Both of those have Android applications that allow you instead of doing what Pandora does, I like Pandora because I say, you know, I give it three artists and I say go. In fact I wake up my alarm clock is Pandora because it's like a music radio station. Uh which I like, you know, and, and there is some serendipity. There's it's not all the same stuff. Uh but if you want to pick the artists you can with RDO and Rhapsody. There is a lot of great stuff out there. I think, in fact, this is uh, this is kind of the future. Ford, for instance, is uh, building this into its Ford Sync. The, the, the new Ford Sync supports Pandora, Stitcher, and other radio apps automatically. So it's, it is the new form of radio, isn't it? Absolutely. I thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Ram. I appreciate it. It's a great question. I think... Uh, the only issue that's going to come up is bandwidth. A, you know, 3G is, is plenty for any kind of audio, but how much bandwidth you're going to use, how much do you listen to? I think because it's just audio, I'd have to do the math. But I think you probably could get through a month using under 5 gigs, which I think is the limit that you have. Lots of good choices. iHeartRadio, uh, Tuner Internet Radio. There's a ton of great stuff. Uh, Weather Underground Radio is a great one. I listen on uh, Sonos speakers. Those are those in you know the throughout the house stereo solution that uses Wi-Fi, and you know you use the iPhone or the iPad as a uh, remote control, and you can set alarms, and then you can set alarms to be any of those things: internet radio, music, your own music. Um, they have subscriptions to things like Wolfgang's Vault, which is uh, concert subscriptions, and so I wake up to Pandora Radio. I love Pandora. So apparently, how caffeine-free Dave in our chat room says Howard Stern does have a, a, a an iPhone app. <laughs> Everybody does now, right? Uh, even Conan O'Brien just released an Android app, Team Coco, where you can watch clips from the show. Why not? It's an easy thing to do. More and more, these smart really. The, a, what is a smartphone? It's a little tiny computer. That's what it is. And uh, anything a computer can do, your smartphone can do. 
I would look for a car that has that supports Bluetooth stereo, so that you don't even have to connect the phone up to the car when you're renting a car. Say, does it, does the sound system have support A2DP? That's that Bluetooth stereo. You stream right from the phone into the car stereo. Then it's simple as can be. I'd like to talk a little bit about Nod32 before we get to our next caller from Toronto. Eric's on the line. Also, Jim from Hesperia. He has a configuration issue on his pavilion. Before we go much farther, though, let me tell you about the best little antivirus ever made for Windows. It's called Nod32 from a company called ESET. How many people say, how do I remember that? Easy enough. You just go, uh, just uh, no open doors, 32. It's not what it really stands for, but that's how I remember. You could try it free for 30 days if you go to eset.com slash Leo. Nod32 antivirus. Why do I like it? Well, first of all, it's effective. It, it, it really works. It, uh, they have advanced heuristics that catch virus-like activity ahead of time. They've got the best database. They haven't missed a virus in the while in 10 years. But I also like it because it doesn't slow your system down. It's lightweight. Try it free for 30 days. Go to eset.com slash Leo, or you can call 866-935-ESET. If that antivirus that came with Windows is expiring, don't renew it. Get Nod32. It's better. It's faster. It's more effective. eset.com slash Leo to try it free or call 866-935-ESET. If you use Windows, you need Nod32. And don't forget to check out ESET Cybersecurity for the Mac, too. That's at eset.com slash Mac. Eric, Toronto, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Eric. Hello. How are you today? Welcome to the show. Oh, good. Thanks for uh, taking my call today. I just, uh, I had a few uh, questions about starting up a netcast. Oh, good. We call them netcasts because I don't like the word podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, netcast is more accurate to me because a podcast kind of implies that you need an iPod to listen to these shows. You don't. They're just shows. Whether they're audio or video that you download from the internet, you can listen on your computer, you can listen on a portable MP3 player, you look, you can listen on your smartphone in your car. So Netcast seems to me like a better name than a podcast. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, so you, you want to do one? I do. I do. I wanted to start one up with, uh, with some friends about my same age uh, that have been online, kind of doing the same stuff as me running our uh, tech blog and everything. Oh, that's cool. How old are you? Uh, I'm 14. Oh, that's awesome. This is great. You know, when I, when I got started in radio, I was, first of all, I was, you know, 18 or no, I probably was 20 and I had to get a job and I had to go around pounding on, pounding the pavement saying, please, sir, let me have a radio show. And of course you're no good when you first start. So there was no way to get better and nobody wanted to hire me cause I was no good. So, you know, you had to just kind of practice, yeah. pay the, yeah, pay your dues and work overnights and things like that. But this way, with a podcast, you can get all the practice you want. You can even build an audience. You don't need anybody's permission. You just go do it. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you. What do you want to? What sure. what subject? What subject do you want to cover? Um, well, one thing that uh, is really hard to figure out. I was wondering, really, how and where you would host like an audio file for a podcast. Uh, there's two good choices. There's a uh, Libsyn, which is a uh, not free, but very inexpensive, and they don't charge you for the number of listeners, which is good because if you get successful, it can get expensive. L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. And somebody in the chat room tells me there's another company that does the same thing called Podomatic, P-O-D-O-M-A-T-I-C. I, I am familiar with Libsyn. I've used Libsyn, and I recommend them. 
The other thing, the subject matter of your podcast, that's always tricky, but I would say pick something you care a lot about. The more passion you have for the subject, the better. Not only will your show be better, but you'll be able to make it through those lean times. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. The Tech Guy. It's time to talk about computers, internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, and all that stuff. All the digital jazz in your life. This is episode 750 in a continuing quest to figure out how to use this stuff without driving you crazy. If you have a question or a comment, a suggestion, just call me. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the number. one 888 Five five three six toll free from anywhere in the U.S. eight 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 two seven five five three six outside the U.S. you can still call. We do get calls from all over the world. Last call was from Canada. All you have to do is use Skype out, and it's a toll free call, so Skype shouldn't charge you for that. Eight 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 two seven five five three six. Jim's on the line from Hesperia, California. Our next caller. Hi, Jim. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Welcome to the show, Jim. What can I do for you? Leo, you know, it's always good to, you know, uh, see you on the weekend working. <laughs> always working on the weekends, working. Much to my uh, family's chagrin, I might add. Like my, my kid now goes, I never see dad on the weekend. Like he cares. Wow. If I were home, I know he'd be out partying anyway. <laughs> I've been listening to you for, you know, since Call for Help and Screensavers. So I, I really oh, enjoy your, your, Thank you. uh, your network. Thanks. <laughs> How can I pay you back? Well, listen, I have an HP pavilion, and it's probably about three years old, and it's, it's, it's an A6300F, and I got a new motherboard for it, and I have Windows 7 Home on it, and for some reason, now I was just trying to reformat it because I wasn't sure if I had to reformat it with a new motherboard. But what I did was I, I uh, reformatted it, and now I have a, um, a, um, an error, a configuration error. And now I can't do anything with it. I can't go online. Oh, nuts. So you started fresh, reinstalled Windows from fresh, but, it's, but it won't boot? It won't boot now. It, it won't boot. It, when I first put the motherboard in, it did, and it worked, it worked okay. And then, then there was some issues coming up like uh, some, some printer problems or something like that. So I just figured I'd just better go ahead and just uh, reformat it. And you're using the disk that came with the HP? Yes. Uh, yes, I did. And then it said, it said, actually, you can't use these disks because it's, <sighs> not, it's not compatible for it. But when, now, where did you get the motherboard replacement? I got it uh, just uh, a few days ago. And did you get it from HP? I got it from HP, but I, I also have a Verizon as an Internet... Um, provider, and they have like insurance where it protects your computers inside the house. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. 
court. And so what they did, I just called them and they came to my house and they just put a, you know, they just ordered a new motherboard. And I told them, uh, did you get it from HP? Oh yeah, we, we got it from HP and all that stuff. And and they because yeah, HP will will require the same motherboard in there. And I, I have a feeling that's possibly the issue. What uh, what what? Just out of curiosity, why did you need a new motherboard? Well, I I have it. Oh, well, the computer is about two, three years old, and all of a sudden it just went out. It just wouldn't come on, you know. Oh, okay. And the and the Verizon tech said, "Oh, you need a new motherboard." Exactly. And and so what they did was they came and they actually replaced the power supply and the motherboard, and and now it it was working fine, but then. Now it's not because I should have just left it alone. I shouldn't have uh, reformatted it and maybe I more. But. I don't blame you for reformatting. I think I think that's a, that's that's a kind of a natural urge. My only concern is that you perhaps deleted. I think on the, in that that particular era of HP computers, they have a hidden partition. Yes. That tells the operating system uh, that it's an HP computer, and I'm concerned. Did you did, you didn't get rid of all the partitions? You just format the a Windows partition. I hope. Yeah. Well, I mean, I uh, what it was is that uh, okay. So after I after I got down to re- reformat it, and you know, I wanted to reformat it back to the factory settings, then it just wouldn't let me do it. And then I called. Actually, I, I did, Leo. I, I did call uh, HP up and asked them about what. What's going on with that? You know, why can't I do this? They said, well, you didn't get it. You didn't get the same motherboard that was. Oh, and you have to have the identical model. That's right. You know, so, yeah, I, I mean, but I'm thinking then I asked the Verizon guy when he came, I said, is this from HP? And he said, yeah, everything. Yeah, but it is from HP. But if it doesn't match, then the HP disks will complain. OK, so that's what the problem is. Then. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it has to be exactly the same. Okay. Uh, now, you can, I mean, the easiest thing to do at this point would be to get a Windows 7 upgrade disk somewhere mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and just use a generic Windows 7 upgrade instead of the HP upgrade, and everything should be okay. Let me just make sure, when you see the configuration error, are you where are you seeing that? Okay, once I turn it on, and it, it did have Vista before, so originally I upgraded from Windows to... Uh, Windows Vista to uh, Windows 7. So when I did, I uh, it uh, it comes up when I, when I when it boots up, it boots up and it goes right to that error. And then at the very bottom, but, wait, but I'm just trying to figure out where the error is. Is it a color screen or is it a black and white screen? It's a black and white screen. Okay. And so just, what you might want to do is go into the BIOS setup. This might be actually a simple thing to fix. Okay. Um, that error is coming from BIOS. It's before Windows starts. Right? Yeah. That's why it's black and white. Yeah. Huh? So uh, when you first turn on the machine, it, it says uh, very quickly a little message like press escape or delete or F8 or something to get into BIOS setup. Mm-hmm. I want you to go in there and I want you to reset it. I think that what it could simply be is that the BIOS and that motherboard is, uh, is a little confused or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where you're getting an error. You're not even getting to Windows. No, I'm not. No. Yeah. So there's a, I'm not sure on this motherboard uh, what era it is, but you might look for something called ESCD, Enhanced System Configuration Data. Older motherboards had this where they would store information on the motherboard about the system. If you do find that entry, reset it. I would certainly uh, get into the BIOS and go back to default settings. Okay. Um, 
and see if that helps. If it's not that, then it's got to be the master boot record because it's something before Windows. So it's either BIOS or the master boot record. And uh, so I think resetting the BIOS would be number one. Do that and see if it boots. If it doesn't, then you want to rewrite the master boot record. Um, And that you can do uh, from the Windows disk. Um, It's a, it's a, if what you want to do is uh, boot to a command line by tapping F8 on boot, you know, or uh, shift key on boot and, uh, and uh, going to a command line and typing, uh, uh, fix MBR. What is the command chat room? I've anyway, it's been so a long time. <laughs> when I put the Windows disk in, you know, it it, it says it can't. It, it won't let you go anywhere. It's yeah, a long it, version of Windows. Yeah, that's why I think what you want is a standard Windows disk, not the HP. Oh, disk. so just a standard one? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You've got to find an upgrade disk. It's going to cost you a little money, unfortunately. Oh. Unless you can borrow a friend's. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry uh, about that. Yeah, I think what it is. Well, I would try this configuration stuff first. Make sure it's just not a, a BIOS that's confused. Boy, is it a, it's, a, it's funny to hear. It, it, is, it is. Now, you know, when Steve Jobs says post-PC era, this is why people just want to leave the PC in the, in the past and just use an iPad because it's just a pain to go through all this stuff, and it's complicated and confusing and, and weird, and nobody really knows the right answer. It's all trial and error because it's such a complex thing. My suspicion is that it's an H, probably an HP disk that's incompatible with that HP motherboard. So you just need a new Windows disk. You'll probably then want to go to HP and download exactly the drivers for that motherboard. You need the motherboard model number. You can open up the computer and look at that. Uh, and uh, But I would try the configuration just to make sure it's not the bi- a little thing in the BIOS at first. F disk, that's the command. Thank you. F disk space slash. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> Not even worth it. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, takes me back. I feel like we're in 1998 all over again. More of your calls right after this. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888-ASK-LEO, that's the number. You got a question, a comment, a suggestion. You want to talk tech with me? Mark in Westwood. Welcome to the show, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Mark. Hi, Leo. How are you doing? Fantastic. Welcome uh, to the tech guy show. What can I do for you? Um, um, as you know, I, I live in Los Angeles. My parents live in St. Louis. And I'm wondering if you can recommend some type of software that allows me to do a little tech support on, on their computer. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Oh, baby. This is what I use, too. Because um, I give them, you know, I, I give them suggestions, but what's no, no. obvious to me sometimes isn't obvious to them. Right. There's a great video on YouTube of, of the, John Meyer, the, the musical guy who did the, Your Body is a Wonderland. And he's standing outside, uh, it looks like uh, somewhere, a venue in New York where he's about to perform. And he's on the phone with his father. And it's this, it's something we have all been through, maybe not with our folks, maybe with our kids, maybe, but what, or, or an aunt or an uncle or a friend where he's going, no, dad, you can do this. No, click click the apple. Okay, it's under the, no, dad, no, no, don't give up. You can do, it's so funny. 
It's such a funny conversation that some guy, paparazzi or something, got a video of. We have all been through it. And they're talking somebody through tech support on the phone is just painful. Yeah, yeah. And you just say, oh, if I could only just go on the computer, I could fix it so fast. Yep. And it's frustrating so, for my parents, too. Oh, yeah. And they don't, you know, this is the this is the thing that gets me. With, same with our last caller. I don't, I don't know what, I don't, the computer industry has misled us in a way, implied that anybody can use this. And it, you know, and I know, it ain't true. It's it's really complicated and bewildering and confusing, even if you're a real enthusiast. Now, if you're lucky, you have an enthusiast in your life who loves this stuff and who can figure it out and solve it for you. Sometimes it takes hours and, and some hair loss, but they can solve it for you. But it really, these things are complex. They're beasts, and they don't, they're not reliable or predictable. Uh, they're not appliances. Far from it. That's one of the reasons I think Apple's selling so many iPads. That is an appliance. doesn't do as much as a computer. But, boy, you don't have to worry about all this stuff. Yeah. So um, there are ways to do remote. This is called remote assistance. We have an advertiser. Uh, I do the ads all the time called Go to Assist Express. That's from Citrix. Uh, you can try that free for 30 days. It's It's actually the easiest. But if you want to use it on a regular basis, it's a little pricey if it's just a casual thing. Uh, so there are some free solutions like Log Me In. Uh, that I don't find nearly as good or useful, but at least it's free. Uh, what kind of computer are they using? Um, you know, they have a, 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 a sort of a custom-built computer from a, a shop in St. Louis. They're running Windows XP. Okay. Team Viewer, the chat room is telling me, is another good free solution. Team Viewer. Okay. Um, there's, a, there's a number of free solutions. Almost all, in every case, they're, they're trying to upsell you to a paid solution like GoToAssist. And GoToSys does have day passes, but I think it's it's really intended for a pro who w- it can spend the monthly money on the subscription, whatever it is, 50 or 60 bucks, because they do enough support. For just somebody who wants to help his parents, I think these free solutions are probably uh, good enough. TeamViewer is a cross-loop. There's a number of these. But I, the chat room seems to be very strongly in favor of T-E-A-M-V-I-E-W-E-R, TeamViewer. And it's at teamviewer.com. It's free remote access for Windows. And then, so that's, that's, that's what they're dealing with. Okay, great. Um, and, I, and I'm sure that they eventually, they, you know, they'll, they'll pitch you on, uh, oh, Mac too. They'll pitch you on buying something more elaborate. Okay. I have, I have one other quick question for you. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, know that, I know that you recommend Nod32 as a, a, a you know, virus protection software. Um, what's your opinion on Microsoft Security Essentials? I know that, you know, comes with their their systems and I've never seen any kind of even uh, assessment of it when when the magazines do uh, you know assessments of the different virus protection software it's just missing you know I'll, I'll say for this up front it is very hard to assess to antivirus software because in order to really assess it you have to have a, a testing methodology that has real viruses you know nobody wants to handle these except in a, a, a clean environment uh, you have to do it in a kind of a natural way. It's really hard to test antiviruses. The only the only way to really know if you like an antivirus is to install it <laughs> and wait and see if you get infected. Uh, having said that, Microsoft's Security Essentials is absolutely great, and it's a, it's the minimum is what I would say. If you have Windows, you should absolutely, if you're not going to pay for an antivirus, and you get more features, you get more speed. Uh, I think Nod32 is more complete and is updated more frequently and is much faster. However, if you don't want to spend the money, 
Microsoft.com slash security essentials. At least do that. And it's it's absolutely effective. What what the, the real truth of this is, no antivirus will protect you from bad behavior. If you are doing things you shouldn't do, if you don't if you don't update your uh, software, if you don't update your operating system, if you take files from strangers, if you just click on anything that pops up on your screen, you're going to get infected. But but security essentials is is absolutely a must at, at the very least to have that and I think I think it's adequate for most people if you teach them what not to do. Great. Okay, Leo. Thank yeah. you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. The reason you know we advertise uh, paid solutions like Nod32 and frankly like Go to Assist Express is because you get what you pay for. So uh, you know for the occasional use or if you're just really too cheap to spend the forty bucks on an antivirus. At least use security essentials. But if you are willing to pay for it, and certainly I am, uh, you get more. You get you know more better performance. You get more a more complete antivirus solution. You get better security. But ultimately, you can get the best security in the world. And if you're out there saying, oh, let me go see what sites are out there, and you don't update your system and you download files from any old place. You know, if you've got a teenager and you're using Windows, you're probably going to get infected because that's what teenagers do. They they love music file sharing systems. Well, guess what? You know these these systems uh, where where you you know get pirate basically stuff. The bad guys just load those systems up with malware because they know kids are going to go there, download quote free Madonna music, and run it without paying any attention to what they're getting or where they're getting it, and uh, they're going to get infected. And it really doesn't matter if they have an antivirus or not; they're going to get infected. I mean, it's just the fact of the matter. So, you got to do both. You got to you, you got to you got to run secure. You got to do the right thing, but you also have to have to change your behavior or teach people how to compute safely. It gets back to the same issue that we've been talking about this half hour, which is this stuff is hard. You shouldn't have to be a security expert to run Windows, but you do. <laughs> you shouldn't have to be a computer expert to keep your machine running, but you do. Uh, maybe they should put a disclaimer in computers and say, look. You didn't expect to play a, a Tchaikovsky serenade when you sat down at the piano. You shouldn't expect to be a computer expert just by buying one of these things. It takes some time. You have to learn it. Maybe that's what I'm doing here. Maybe that's what I'm I'm here for, just to help you a little bit get you over that that hump so that you can, uh, you can competently run a computer. Because I'll tell you what, it's worth it. It really is. I mean, the, the value of having a computer and being able to use a computer is fantastic. And that, I think every kid nowadays knows that, but I don't know if they're learning those basic skills that that uh, they need to know to keep safe online and and so forth. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight, ask Leo. That's the phone number. Doctor Mom says people should get an internet license like a driver's license. <laughs> I don't know about that. Eighty-eight, 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 ask Leo. That's my number. Your call next.
This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by Carbonite.com. you got to back it up to get it back. So do it right with Carbonite. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy, taking your questions at 8888-ASK-LEO. Kelly, I'm sorry, Carrie is on the line from La Mirada, California, listening to the great KFI. Hi, Carrie. Hello, Leo. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Welcome to the show. First time caller. Hey, I've um, got the two issues. Uh, first issue is that uh, how do I detect whether or not I've got a keylogger running on my computer? Mm. And the reason, actually the second point, the reason I believe I might have one is that my Yahoo Mail account, every time I go to open it up, says I've got no new mails only because they've all been opened. Ooh, that's not good. Doesn't sound good. So I called up Verizon, who's partnered with Yahoo on my Verizon uh, internet account. I presume you changed your Yahoo password immediately. Yes, I did. And it's still happening? It started back up again. It, I actually, I changed it, and then the next time that I logged on, sure enough, everything was hunky-dory. The next time, maybe a day later, <clears throat> logged on again, and sure enough, they were all opened up again. If uh, Did you change your secret question and all that, too? I mean, did you really change everything on Yahoo? Did I change my what request? The secret question? No, I matter of fact, I wasn't using one. Oh, okay, good. Uh, and your email is—I mean, your password uh, to the email is uh, is random and not an obvious dictionary word or anything like that. It's uh, when you type it in, it'll tell you whether or not it's, they consider it strong or not. And, it's it's, a, and they call it strong. Call it strong. It's uh, alphanumeric. Good. Sounds perfect. So I called up Verizon and. Uh, talked to them about it and their technician went through all his uh you know exercises and proved that if i access my yahoo account through verizon which is really their you know their yahoo account i i'm not exactly sure the technicalities behind it but if i open it up to them none of the emails are open and they're all present and accounted for <clears throat> and he uh claims that on everything on his end is working perfect so that i need to talk to yahoo so i got a hold of yahoo tech via email explained my situation, and the next day they came back and said, oh, you have to take it up with Verizon because that's... <laughs> I love to pass the buck. Yeah, so I, I... Everybody does that. Nobody wants to support because support is so expensive. You know, they would just prefer you didn't call them. And the truth is you're getting a, a result from them that is is as good, if not worse, than if you, if you didn't call them at all. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you're really not getting anything for your time. No. Let me, let me go through some, some things with you. First of all... Uh, much, much more likely that your uh, mail was password was compromised than a keystroke logger. It's hard to get a keystroke logger on a machine. However, if you do have a keystroke logger on your machine, which means that a bad guy can not only uh, log into your Yahoo account, but can, when you change the password, can see it and log in again, exactly. uh, it's very hard to detect. Uh, you know, the, the, one of the reasons keystroke loggers work is because they, uh, they're pretty um, hard to find. Um, I, you know, keystroke logger is, is probably the least likely scenario. Um, do, do you, you change your password? You have a strong password. You're not using a security question. That's often the way people get your password. Uh, I wish Yahoo does what Gmail does, which tells you what IP addresses have accessed your mail over the last few days. Would be sweet. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? And that's, that's such a great feature on Gmail. Um, make sure, though, that you don't have that Yahoo Mail account tied to another device like your phone. Now, my uh, tied to the phone, but not okay. Yahoo. Yeah. Uh, good. So you have a Gmail account. That's good. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, I wouldn't jump to the conclusion that you have a keystroke logger. However, uh, you have, I presume, good security software on your system, right? Well, I've got the Semantic Endpoint on board. Okay, and that th- those are designed to dis- detect keystroke loggers. Well, you know, that is an abs- absolutely form of malware. You know, on their help page, and it said that uh, it it didn't, uh, you know, uh, pointedly pick out keystroke. It actually well, there are there's hardware keystroke loggers, for instance, that it wouldn't be able to detect. Um, and some keystroke loggers use rootkits and other ways of hiding themselves that make it very difficult to detect. And here's the real issue for Symantec. There are companies that make keystroke loggers for, quote, legitimate purposes, mm-hmm. like law enforcement or a cheating spouse, that kind of thing. There are commercial keystroke loggers that parents use for, against their kids and stuff. And and these antiviruses, in order to avoid a lawsuit, often won't look at them. They'll assume because it's commercial, it's legit. It's put on there legitimately. That's sweet. <laughs> yeah. You know, the same thing happened when adware first started appearing, uh, you know, which I think is spyware and malware. But, uh, you know, f- they, they, they kind of acted like, well, it's commercial speech. It's we're not sure we should really tag it as malware we're afraid we're going to get sued so uh you know you might try another uh antivirus program that might be more aggressive I, um yeah the, the microsoft uh, malware removal tool good yeah deep scans and okay came up with any type i think that that's all pretty i think that's good that means you probably don't have a keystroke longer but you do have a question of how is somebody is somebody reading my email and, and for the most part, you know, they're just junk email. You know, as a matter of fact, there's another topic. If I go to my uh, junk email bin, they're all untouched. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Originally, I thought maybe they were doing some maintenance on the system and that that was just some quirk in it, but uh, it's pretty consistent now. It's been over a week now that I've uh, been toying with this. And This is a very interesting question. I mean, if you really ha- were sure you had a keystroke logger, really your only recourse, only good recourse would be to, you know, really... Scrub that drive, format, and reinstall. Bummer. And I'm, yeah, it's not something you want to do lightly. No. Does it make a difference? I know that one of them said that uh, because it was a a 64 bit, uh, that it wasn't um, effective. One of the. uh, Yeah, you know, this is the antivirus companies who are mad at Microsoft because Microsoft, uh, in, in their 64 bit version of Windows 7, they put a uh, kernel protection in that, that disallows companies from modifying the kernel. Now, this is a security move, but this is also how the some antivirus companies were installing. And they were so mad that Microsoft did this. Some of these companies are just saying they're walking away. It's politics. It has nothing to do with technicality. You, you absolutely can do a, a good antivirus on a 64-bit version of Windows. A number of companies have. But they just didn't want to because Microsoft... Meh. Microsoft. <laughs> They're also a little mad at Microsoft because they have their own free antivirus. And, you know, um, I would say I would say that. Well, how, which, how should you proceed at this point? Um, it's good you have Gmail. Uh, presumably, if somebody had a keystroke logger on your machine, they've seen your Gmail password, too. And you can look and see if anybody's been using your Gmail. All they know is that I picked up my phone and it was staying in the on position. You know, the display was lit up and it said that there was an unsuccessful attempt at accessing Gmail bad password. Well, that happens, I'm sure, all the time. Uh, although, I, how would they do that on your phone? 
you have uh, do you have other family members who uh, <laughs> like to and other people in the house who are messing with you? No. I would say I would say Carrie, watch this carefully. I don't think you should assume you have a keystroke logger. In fact, it sounds like you probably don't. Um, although, as I said, they're hard to detect, and it's possible you could get a clean bill of health and still have one. I would watch carefully. Maybe change all your passwords again. Uh, watch carefully for unusual activity on all your accounts. Um, and and then just, you know, the, the, if the only symptom you're having is that somehow somebody, the Yahoo Mail is showing red, it doesn't seem like that's enough to format your hard drive and start all over again. Uh, I think you're doing all the right things. You, you, you might try malwarebytes.org as well. Uh, and if you could, it, always a good idea. Anybody who's listening to the show might want to try this. Get a Linux boot disk. If you put it on a CD, it can't be modified, so you know it's clean, it's pure. And boot to that Linux boot disk, and, and then for a while run that, not Windows. If it's a keystroke logger on Windows, it will not run from the, window, from the Linux boot disk unless it's a hardware keystroke logger, and you can easily verify that. If it goes, if the symptoms go away, then yeah, I guess you do have a keystroke logger. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Board, the Tech Guy, the waiting moments of the Tech Guy show. You can find audio versions, video versions of this show online, techguylabs.com. You can also find uh, all the show notes at techguylabs.com. This is uh, episode 750, if you're keeping track. Thanks to James DeRuvo, all those notes are up there, and he's, he's writing scribble, scribble, scribble as I talk, so you don't have to. You'll find links to the chat room there, as well as the video stream. And to my podcast network, because when this show goes off the air, I don't. I keep going <laughs> for hours and hours, interminably, talking about tech. If, you, if you're a hardcore tech enthusiast, you ought to know about that podcast network. It's called Twit, T-W-I-T. And all you have to do is Google the word Twit, press I'm feeling lucky, and there it is, T-W-I-T, or go to twit.tv. Now let's go to Toronto and say hi to George. George, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech Hi, Leo. Hello. Hey, welcome to the show. Yeah. Yes, uh, I have a Windows 7 uh, Media Center PC that uh, feeds my entire home, and uh, I have uh, approximately eight um, two terabyte hard drives hooked up to it, and it's starting to look like an octopus. And <laughs> you, need, uh, you have 16 terabytes of storage. Yes, and I want to add 24 uh, hard drives. Uh, to it, <laughs> only because HD content can, takes up so much room, and I know you go through so many hard drives with what you do because you archive everything. We do, but we don't. We go. We don't. Uh, we do them serially. We don't keep it all online. In fact, you know, we have a very expensive SAN, which is a storage area network that is designed to uh, hold our videos, but we have to clear it out all. How big is our SAN, uh, John? It's like twenty terabytes. It's not that big. Uh, we have to clear it off all the time. You're talking, you want something that's like uh, 50 terabytes or more. What's happening is is the is the media center is recording uh, over-the-air high-definition channels plus uh, right. 
uh, a cable coming in, and it's and it basically records everything. And anyone anywhere in the house can basically uh, tap into <sighs> their wow. shows. And uh, you and, need a data uh, center. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's maybe Apple great. would loan you a little of their North Carolina data center. <laughs> It's great because uh, I, I, I've archived all my DVD collection and all my Blu-rays, and everyone can uh, view them on any on any high-definition TV. The only thing is, is I don't know how how I can hook up all these uh, SATA things without using... Well, if you have a drive enclosure, you know, one drive enclosure could have uh, eight or even more drives in it and uh, and then only show up as one connector. So get a Drobo. I mean, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg, but you can get a... A Drobo uh, Pro, um, I think Drobo makes eight eight drive models, and you get three of those and uh, it, connect them via eSATA or iSCSI is probably what you want to do. Is it is it safe to to uh, make it as one of the uh, have a whole bunch of drives look as one, or, or or is that dangerous where something can happen where everything screws up? Well, that's what the Drobo does. And of course, if you only have one, you know, an enclosure will look like one, but it's not dangerous because what they're doing, Drobo doesn't call it RAID, but it's essentially it's like RAID five. Any network attached storage will do the same thing, where it takes these multiple drives, makes them look like one drive, and uses Part of that, as much as a quarter to a third of it, as redundancy. So you're going to lose some storage. But what's nice about it is it's not dangerous because if any one of those drives fails, you take it, you can, in Drobo, you can hot swap it. You take it out and you put in a new drive. It rebuilds itself. Might take a day to do it if you have a ton of data on that. But you've not lost a bit of data and you're back good to go. So adding multiple controller cards that have a, a It wouldn't lot. be multiple controller cards if you use Drobos. These are external drives, and that's the beauty of it. It could be one ice. You need an iSCSI connection. Uh, that's probably fast enough to record the high def. Um, you can you can also you can also uh, build this yourself with uh, with uh, software, you know, Linux software designed to do this. Um, but it's going to cost you a lot, not just for the drives. But you gotta, basically, you have. You know, uh, these enclosures are hundreds and hundreds of dollars as well. Okay. But if you want it, that's the way to do it. All right. Yeah, I'd, I'd look at Drobo. I think that's probably the best solution for you. And uh, the nice thing about Drobo is you can add more as you go. D-R-O-B-O dot com. And uh, there, I think it's called the Pro. Let me look. Is there an eight enclosure system? has eight drives. I mean, that's crazy, right? But hey, <laughs> if it... Who am I to say if you if that's what you want? Who am I to say? We uh, we use Drobos for storing a lot of data. Um, uh, you know, it's 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 effective. They're a good solution. And I should I guess disclaimer that they are a uh, advertiser. Have been an ad- I don't think they are currently, but they have been an advertiser on my podcasts. Um, but I've used them for years. I've been a Drobo user for years. Going to get another call in just a second. We're going to talk to Robin Pacific Palisades. He wants to know, how often should you upgrade a MacBook? Yeah, Apple just shipped some new ones. Is it time? Well, I'll, I'll fill you in on that one. I have some opinions of that. Before we do that, let's talk about backup in the cloud. Let's talk about Carbonite. Carbonite is backup done right. My friend Peter Crow wrote a book called The Digital Asset Management Book. He's a photographer. Photographers care about this stuff a lot. Uh, and he says that backups have certain requirements. He calls it 3 two, one backup. You've got to have three copies of your data. Not one. Of course, that's not backed up. Two, well, better than one, but not as good as three. Three different copies. He says two different forms of media so that you don't depend on a hard drive or depend on 
uh, cloud storage or depend on DVDs. And but one should be in the cloud. Three, two, one. Three kinds, uh, or three backups, two different kinds of media, and one of them off site. So if the worst happens, you don't lose everything. So if there's a flyer or flood and your backups are sitting next to the computer, you're not reliant on them. This is where I love Carbonite. First of all, it's automatic, uses your internet connection, trickles your data up to the cloud, to the internet, where it's safe, it's encrypted. So, you know, even if you're an open, it's great for a laptop. As you go around to open access points or whatever, it'll use them, but it uses encryption to make sure it's secure. You could further encrypt if you want total privacy. And it's unlimited backup, all the personal data on your internal drive for just $55 a year. But look, try it free for two weeks first. That's always a good idea. Carbonite.com. And use the offer code LEO, C-A-R-B-O-N-I-T-E, Carbonite.com. By the way, this is cloud storage, too, so you can access your data anywhere. You can log on. You, you, Mac or PC doesn't matter, and there's your stuff. Or even they have an iPhone app, free iPhone app, and a BlackBerry app, too. Carbonite. Carbonite.com. Use the offer code LEO. you got to back it up to get it back, so do it right with Carbonite. Rob, I think you're our last caller from Pacific Palisades. Hi, Rob. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo, it's good to talk to you. I know you've got a few minutes left. I've got a question for you. Uh, I've got a MacBook that I bought back in 07, my senior in college, and it's starting to run a little bit slower. And I'm wondering if I, if I should buy a new, if it's telling me to buy a new computer, or if I should hold on for a bit longer. And I only use my computer for web browsing, uh, word processing, and email. And I looked at the new uh, Mac Mini at the Apple store and I really love it, but I don't know, I don't know much about it. So I was wondering if you... Well, it certainly would be faster than even uh, that laptop, that, that the four-year-old laptop. But uh, one thing I would try before you run out and buy new hardware is uh, formatting the drive and reinstalling OS ten. probably go up to the latest version, OS ten Snow Leopard. Lion's going to be out this summer. But if you format the drive and start over, usually that speeds things up. You'll also... It also has the advantage of not reinstalling all the apps that you've installed over those last four years. Just install apps as needed. And what we find, of course, is that people have lots of stuff running that they didn't know about or that they installed and they forgot about or they don't even use, but they have it running. And So start from scratch just with a pure install and just put the programs you know you want on there. Install the rest on demand. And uh, it might run fast enough. You might go, hey, I guess I didn't need a new computer. How much memory do you have in that? Yeah, well, that would that would be another way to get some speed out of it. You get a lot of benefit from putting more memory in. I would say OS ten these days, a uh, minimum of two gigs and preferable is four gigs of RAM. Right. Another great thing you can do, and uh, depending on which MacBook you have, this is not such a hard thing to do on, I think, the one you have, is swap out that mechanical drive for a solid-state drive. Now, you're going to lose some storage, but right. you're going to gain speed incredibly. And in fact, I would guess if you put a couple more gigs of RAM in there, go up to two to four gigs of RAM mm-hmm. and a solid state drive, that's about 500 bucks in spending. So it's not free, but you're going to say, hey, I can, keep, I can go another few years on this computer. But is it worth spending that 500 bucks or is it worth spending like you know, 700 bucks on a brand new Mac Mini though? Well, Mac Mini is great, but now you need a key. And you, it comes with a keyboard and mouse, but now you need a monitor, right? Which I already have. Okay. Yeah. The Mini's great. It's not the fastest Mac out there, but uh, mm-hmm. that's true. Seven hundred. There's seven hundred bucks. Right. But you're gonna get. You are gonna get a more modern Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So there's two choices, and they're and they're similar. It depends on if, if you want a laptop or not. I guess. Right. Do you like the Mac Mini? Do you know much about it? Are they reliable? Yeah, I use them all the time. I love the Mac Mini. They're very reliable. They're great. Okay, because I've got an iMac as well at home, 
And I think yeah, I think it sounds like the Mac Mini is the right choice for you. I'd go for it. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Have a great geek week. We'll see you next time.